Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. I wonder how many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Anyone ever been to the Grand Canyon? And it is just astounding. There is no way that pictures can adequately capture the wonder and the, the vastness, the, the breathtaking awesomeness of seeing the Grand Canyon. Uh, a few years ago, I got to go and preach in a church in Las Vegas. And so uh, the pastor said, let's take you up to the Grand Canyon, go and have a look. And, you know, I had no idea what to expect. And we headed up, up and up and up, and it was cold. It was snowing. I didn't know that it snowed. In, I don't know why. I just didn't realize that it snowed in that part of the, of the world. And it was snowing. It was icy. It was windy. It was blowing a gale. Conditions were terrible, but the sight was amazing. And as all good tourists do, I wanted to get the perfect selfie. You know when you watch on the news sometimes and you see a story about some crazy tourist who has put themselves in a precarious position and then has plummeted to their demise. And we watch that and we think, what were you thinking? Well, I was just trying to capture the best possible picture of the Grand Canyon and I couldn't get what I wanted. And so there was this little outcrop covered in ice and snow. And so I stepped over the safety barrier and I backed myself, you can see there on the picture, I backed myself with knees shaking, the wind is blowing, the, the ice is slippery, and I backed myself out as far as I could just get. And that little white bit behind me, that is the edge. And as I get out there, and all I'm thinking is, I'll just get a quick shot, and then I'll get back over to safety. And I got the, got the snap. You know, you've got to have yourself in the photo. Got, got the snap. And as I started to come back to safety, another tourist who saw my vantage point thought that looks like a great place. And as he stepped over the safety barrier onto the slippery ice, he fell and slid like a penguin on the ice towards me. And I'm standing on the edge here watching this guy sliding towards me. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he slid to a halt just in front of me. I said, mate, stepped over him and got back to safety. As far as I know, he's still there. <laughs> we love mountaintops. We, we love going to mountaintops and getting the view and, and having the experience and the, the vista that, that's before us. We love mountaintops. In life, we love mountaintop experiences. The mountaintops, they're the, the moments of encounter that we've all had, maybe in a, in a youth camp at some point or you know, in, a, in a conference setting or a, a crusade of something or, or just one of those moments in church where you, you, know, you talk about it being like the tangible presence of God. We love those mountaintop encounter experiences, the, the highlights, the breakthroughs, the miracle moments, the great memories. We 
love the mountaintops. We long for the mountaintops. But what about the valleys? Have you ever noticed when God gives you a promise of some kind, God puts a dream in your heart. He, he births something in your spirit and just starts to stir something of what He's wanting to do in and through our lives. You've ever noticed when, when God gives you that kind of promise, He shows you the mountaintops, <laughs> but He doesn't show us the valleys in between. A number of years ago, Alana and I were leading a church through a significant transition, uh, quite a a difficult transition of bringing a church from what it had been into its future. And it was tough. The, the first few months of that were really tough. And then we broke through into just revival, miracle kind of zone. It was amazing. But in those first few months, Alana, my wife, she remembers, you know, when you kind of, it's, I don't know if it's a prayer or it's a complaint or it's, a, it's kind of a prayer complaint, you know, like when you just have a whinge to God. Anyone ever have those moments? And, and in the, one of those moments where she was just feeling like, this is so hard. And she said, God, why didn't you tell us it was going to be like this? And she said she just felt like straight away, whether it was the voice of God or whatever it was, but just, just instantly this thought, because you never would have come otherwise. If I'd shown you the valley, you would have said, no, 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 I don't want that. But God was wanting to give us the mountain. And maybe right now, either in this room or online, maybe you feel like you're walking through a valley. Maybe you feel stuck in a valley and you can't see your way through. Maybe when you look at where you are and where you're believing to be, it just looks like I can't see it ever happening. This could be a situation in your family. This could be a dream in your heart. It could be a promise for your business. It could be something you're believing for, the call of God in your life, whatever it might be. And you look at where you are and you look at where you're, where you're believing that God's got for you. And you just think, I just can't see how this is ever going to happen. I can't see how my kid is ever going to come back to Jesus. I can't see how my marriage is going to be restored. I can't see how I'm going to come through this sickness, whatever it might be. I want to encourage us today, don't despise the valleys. The truth is every mountain is preceded by a valley and it's followed by a valley. That's what makes it a mountain. Climbing down into a valley is a prerequisite for climbing up to the mountaintop. The great British Prime Minister Winston Churchill said, mountaintops inspire us, but valleys mature us. And the great preacher Billy Graham, he said, mountaintops are for views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valleys. The message I'm going to bring to us this morning is part of a series that I've done over time that's, that's called... God is greater than the mountains and the valleys. God is greater than the mountains and the valleys. Do you believe that? God is greater than the mountains and the valleys. In fact, we could just say God is greater than. <laughs> God is greater than. God is greater than dot, dot, dot. God is greater than whatever it is you're facing. 
God is greater than whatever obstacle and challenge is before you. God is greater than. Do you believe that, church? God is greater than. He's greater than any other name. He's greater than any other way. He is greater than. And He's greater than the mountains that we may come to. He's also greater than the valleys. We sang that song earlier. There's nothing better than you. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And so as part of this series, there's a whole lot of mountains. And I don't know when I'll ever get to the chance to preach any of, of these to you. So I'm going to give you a little snapshot. And so um, the God of the mountains, some of the mountains are, are like the Mount Ararat, which reminds us that God's rescue is greater than our flood. Mount Sinai reminds us that God's covenant is greater than our faithlessness. The Mount of Olives where Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, reminds us that God's will is greater than our will. The hill of Calvary reminds us that God's love is greater than our sin. Thank God for that. And there's nine others. So mountains are significant in the Bible, but so are valleys. And so there's the valley of Sidim, which is the pit, which reminds us that God's redemption is greater than our pit, we may find ourselves in whatever that pit might be, a pit of addiction, a pit of, of brokenness, a pit of loss and despair. God's redemption is greater than our pit. The Valley of Kings reminds us that God's way is greater than the world's way. The Valley of Geror, which means to be chewed up and spat out, reminds us that God's favor is greater than our famine. The Valley of Giants reminds us that God's name is greater than our giants. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. God's name is greater than our giants. The valley of trouble reminds us that God's hope is greater than our troubles. And we could go on and on and on, all these valleys. Today, I want to draw our attention to two valleys. The valley of Bakar and the valley of Barakar. Say Bakar. You've got to say it with a ch. In your, in your Bachar, you know, the valley of Bachar, that's it, and the valley of Barachar. Oh, there you go, very good. The title of this message, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes. I just believe that God wants to speak to us. And so I, I always take notes. I take notes on every message, on my phone or whatever you might use. I take notes on every message I hear, the great messages, the good messages, the average messages, the terrible messages. I pray this isn't a terrible message. And I take notes on them all because I just believe God wants to speak to us. So if you're taking notes, you could put the title of this is from Baka to Beraka, or you could call it from weeping to blessing, or as a third option, if you want options, I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Let's talk about the Valley of Bacar. Psalm 84, verses 5 to 7. You got a Bible? You love the Word of God? Sorry, I thought it was at Highway Church. You love the Word of God? Ah, oh, there, there you are. They are here, Pastor Ann. They are here. Yeah, that's. I knew they loved the Word of God here. Psalm 84, verse 5. This is David. No, it's not. It's the sons of Korah. Uh, it says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through 
the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Bacar. The word Bacar, it's a Hebrew word, it means weeping. So it's the valley of weeping. It's, it means weeping, bemoaning. What a great word. Bemoaning, bewailing. Anyone ever done a bit of bemoaning? <laughs> Only this side. Anyone ever done a bit of bewailing before? I've done a bit of bemoaning and a bit of bewailing at times. That's the, God, oh, where are you? God, how did you let this happen? A bit of bemoaning and bewailing. That's what this valley is. It's a valley of discontent and sorrow, regret, disappointment or bitterness. And this psalm is written about somebody going, who's in exile and they're, they're cut off, but they're going through their own valley of weeping. But their heart is set on pilgrimage, following and trusting God. The theologian Warren Wisby, he describes the Valley of Bacar as any difficult and painful place in life where everything seems hopeless and you feel helpless. We've all had those times. You feel hopeless and helpless. Everything looks hopeless and you feel helpless. That's the Valley of Bacar. It's not a great sounding valley, right? You feeling encouraged yet? But here's what it says. As they pass through, and there's the key. <laughs> as they pass through. Just like those who, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel, feel, feel a little hit me now. And the interpretation of that is, I will fear no evil. <laughs> as, I, as I walk through the valley of the shadow, as they pass through, the valley of bakar, the valley of weeping, the valley of bemoaning and bewailing. We don't set up camp there. We don't build a house there. We don't build a monument there. We don't build a church there. We're coming through the valley of weeping. And as they pass through, they make it a place of refreshing springs. They make it. It doesn't make them into what it wants them to be. They make it. So when we're going through our own valley of weeping, let's not settle for believing to just make it through. Oh, I'm just gonna try and make it to the end. No, let's make something of it. And let God make us while we're going through it. And then there's this picture, because it says they make it, a place of refreshing springs. And the picture that conjures up for me is as they go through the valley, bewailing and bemoaning and weeping and crying, their tears form pools of refreshing for others who are going to follow along, who are gonna say, if you could make it, then I can make it. And if God could get you through that, He can get me through that. And if God could restore you, He can restore me. And if God can heal you, He can heal me. And if God could provide for you, He can provide for me. And if God can break through for you, He can break through for me. Do you believe that? 
those tears that we cry can actually become a place and a source of refreshing for others. Nothing is wasted in your life. The valley of Bakar, the valley of weeping, reminds us God's refreshing is greater than our weeping. Now, right now, you might be in a season of of triumph. You feel like you're on the mountaintop. That is fantastic. We celebrate with you. But here's the promise. There'll be a valley. There'll be a valley of weeping. That's the reality of life. That's the process God's taking us through, constantly changing us, shaping us, molding us, making us, building us up, breaking us down, building us up. That's that's the process of God's formation in our lives. But the Valley of Bacar reminds us, God's refreshing is greater than our weeping. So let's talk about the Valley of Barakah. Barakah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's an account of when God's people, the people of Judah, are surrounded by some uh, opposing nations who are coming to seek to destroy them. And so the people are terrified, and the king, whose name is Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat calls all the people to fast and to pray, because they're desperate. They're facing impossible odds of opposition. And then we pick it up in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, and Jehoshaphat is praying, and he says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. And I love this line of this prayer. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you. Maybe that's the one thing you need to take away from today. God, I don't know what to do. But God, I'm looking to you. I'm not trying to figure this all out on my own. I'm not, I'm not just trying to force my way through. I'm not trying to struggle and strive my way through. God, I don't know what to do. But I'm looking to you for help. What a great prayer. And then we jump down to verse 21. And it says, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers. This is, this is their strategy. This is what God tells them to do, to defeat their opposition. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. What a strategy. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Are there any Kiwis in the house? Oh, there they are. It's not quite a haka, is it? It's not quite a terrifying, blood-curdling haka. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. His give thanks to the Lord. <laughs> For he is good, his faithful. And they sing as they go out in front. 
So they get the worship team and they're all up here and they're going out in front of the army. They're facing murderous hordes against them. Give thanks to the Lord. (laughs) But then at the very moment they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. And then we jump down to verse 25. Their opposition destroys itself because of the praise of God. And then King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of stuff, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, it took them three days just to collect it. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the valley of Barakah, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there, and it is still called the Valley of Barakah or the Valley of Blessing today because Barakah means blessing. It means to bestow a blessing, and it's the state of being blessed. Now, there's a lot of misconception about the word blessed. There's a lot of extremes on either side on what it means to be blessed. But to be blessed means to be fruitful. It means to see increase. It means to have victory over your enemies. It means to have favor with God. It's a state of trusting God, that He is with you and for you, and He goes before you, and He undergirds you, and He overshadows you, and He is your rear guard. They called the valley. On that day, the name of the valley changed. And it became the Valley of Barakah, the Valley of Blessing. And the Valley of Barakah reminds us God's praise is greater than our problems. God's praise is greater than our problems. I love when we come into the room together and the team lead us in worship. Why is that so powerful? Because God's praise is greater than our problems. When I start to praise Him, I shift my focus and I shift my perspective from my problem to His goodness and His greatness. That's why the Bible says, magnify the Lord. What's He he saying? He's saying, magnify God, make God bigger than our problems. But so often we go through life making our problems bigger than our God. Praise, this reminds us. God's got this. God, you're in control. Your name is higher. Your name is greater. Your name stands above them all. So let's pull all this together. When we go through a valley of bakar or weeping, it can become a place of refreshing for us and for others. And hearing the messages preached here of the last few months by your, your pastors and your team, I mean, it, it sounds like the last few years there's been a bit of a valley of weeping. But that valley of weeping is becoming a place of refreshing for many. I'm meeting people here every week who have just joined this church in the last few weeks or on that Sunday or in the last few months, and they're finding a place of refreshing. When we're in a valley of problems, that valley can become the valley of blessing. We're on our way from Bakar to Berakar, 
from bemoaning and bewailing to bestowing a blessing, from despairing to declaring, from hopeless to hope-filled, from sorrows of regret to springs of refreshing, from victimized to victorious, from weeping to worshiping. I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm on my way from his... Oh, come on, you're, you're, you're terrible singers. <laughs> now, don't start filming that. <laughs> I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. good for us to leave church feeling better about life than how we came in, feeling better about God and who He is and His plan and purpose for our life than how we came in with a hope for the future. Amen? Amen. So how do we do this? How do we go from misery to happiness today? How do we, how do we go from the valley of Bacar to the valley of Barakah? It happens when, number one, we make it a valley of prayer. A valley of prayer. See, prayer changes the atmosphere within us. Prayer changes the atmosphere within us. It brings our internal world into alignment with God's Word. As we pray, something changes within. It's not even so much about what changes outside. It's about what changes within. And my internal world, my internal disposition, my, my thought life, it, it comes into alignment with God's Word. As King Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do, but God, I'm looking to you. A.W. Tozer, he said, the key to prayer is simply praying. That's good advice. Oh, I'm not quite sure how to pray. Oh, I struggle to pray. Oh, I don't know if I say the right words, if I do it the right way or I sit the right way or I have my hands the right way. And, you know, what am I supposed to do? Because I see these other people and they, they seem to pray a certain way, but I don't know if I'm praying right. And I need to sound like that person or sound like that person. And, and maybe my theology is not quite right, but, uh, you know, when I get my, whether I'm praying to the Father, the Son or the Holy Spirit, I get them mixed up and I say, you know, thank you, Father, for dying on the cross for my sins. And, and thank you, Jesus, for sending the Father. And, and you get all, maybe you get it all mixed up. It's okay. The key to prayer is just to pray. Start to pray changes something on the inside of us and when we don't know how to pray or we don't know what to pray Romans 8 says the spirit prays for us with deep groanings that words cannot understand and the spirit that knows all things prays for us in alignment with the will of God thank God for the Holy Spirit Jesus taught us how to pray. Luke 18, he told his disciples when they said, teach us how to pray. He told them the parable of the persistent widow or the parable of the nagging widow who needed help from a judge. And so she knocked on his door and she's banging on his door. 
in the middle of the night and he's refusing to get up and help her and she keeps banging on the door until finally he says, ah, I'll get up and sort her out so I can get some sleep. And Jesus said to his disciples, and that is how you should pray. But what do we do? We teach our kids not to nag, don't we? My youngest daughter is here. Uh, you know, when our kids are growing up and they're asking for things and, you know, Dad, can I have this? Or Dad, can I have that? Dad, can I have that? And it's like, just, just, just wait, just wait. No, Dad, can I? Just, just wait. Dad, can I? Just, just wait. And then they keep asking. They keep nagging. And then eventually we say something like, right now the answer is maybe. If you ask one more time, the answer is no. Don't ask again. And so we teach our kids not to nag. And so then when we approach God, we think, oh, I better not ask again. Right now, maybe it's a maybe. If I ask one more time, it might be a no. No, Jesus said, that's how you should pray. So we make it a valley of prayer. Next, we make it a valley of prophecy. Now, we can get all, you know, kind of weird and spooky about prophecy. At its simplest form, prophecy is just declaring the Word of God. God's Word in our mouth is the greatest weapon we have. Prophecy is just declaring the Word of God. And prophecy changes the atmosphere around us. It brings our internal world into alignment. uh, Sorry, it brings our external world into alignment with the Word of God. As we speak God's Word into the world around us. Because God's Word is living and active. Because the Word of God does not return void. Because His Word is a seed and it causes things to come to life. It accomplishes everything it's sent to do. With God's Word in our mouth, we call those things which are not as though they are. Prophecy is just proclaiming the Word of God. And we can all find promises and and declarations on every page of this book to speak into our lives, to speak into our family, to speak into our situation, to speak into our circumstance. As we start to prophesy the Word of God. God, You said You know the plans You have for me. They're plans for good, not for evil, to give me a future and a hope. Lord, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could dare ask, think, or imagine according to the power that's at work within me. You are for me. You're not against me. You are are with me. You will not leave me nor forsake me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. Healing is the children's bread. Your Word says that. You're the God who heals. You're the God who restores. You're the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. Your arm is outstretched towards me. Your ear is inclined towards my prayer. And we start to speak the Word of God into our situation. We proclaim it. I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Who sang that song? The proclaimers. They knew something. Who knew they were such a great worship band? We can either choose to commentate our concerns in our crisis, talk about our trials, troubles and tribulations, or we can prophesy and proclaim our promises, our purpose and our position in Christ.
and we prophesy it and we keep prophesying it. I wonder what you call your valleys. You know, it's, it's okay to be real. We're not talking about being fake here. It's okay to be real. The psalmist called the valley Bakar. This is a valley of sorrow. It's a valley of weeping. This valley is Bakar. Maybe when you're going through some stuff this week, you can say, this is just Bakar. Call it what it is. But then we can declare, I might be in a valley of Bakar, but this valley is becoming a place of refreshing. And finally, we make it a valley of blessing. We go from Bakar to Barakar when we make it firstly a valley of prayer. It changes our internal world, brings our internal world into alignment with the Word of God. We, we make it a valley of prophecy, which brings our external world into alignment with the Word of God. And we make it finally a valley of praise. And praise changes the atmosphere over us. It brings the spiritual world into alignment with the Word of God. Praise changes our perspective, like we said. Philippians 4 verse 4 says what? Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Anyone old enough to remember that song? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice. Remember that? And we used to sing it in rounds. You remember that? You remember that, Pastor? And you probably used to lead that round. And so, you know, all the, all the men, would you know be oh, oh now all the ladies and all that and so out of all that rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice rejoice in the Lord always and then all the ladies were coming rejoice rejoice and again I say rejoice <clears throat> I think we should try it I think we should try it all right so all right, we're gonna we're not gonna split the room. We're gonna we're gonna do the men and the women. So the men, your part is rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. You're just gonna sing that over and over and over. Rejoice in the Lord, and then the ladies are gonna come in. Rejoice, rejoice, and again. Are, are, are we up for this? All right, all right, let's give it a go. Have we got time for this? I don't know, but let's. Because that clock on the back wall has just kept going on repeat. It's like I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was counting up or counting down, so I, don't, I actually don't know. Every time I looked at it, it said 29, and I'm like, it's been there for a long time. So, all right, all right, are you ready? All right, where's all the men? All the men give me a grunt. All right, okay, all right, all right, you're gonna start us off. Here you go, man, ready? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again. Now the lady's gonna come in. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say. Oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> now, I don't know who you are, but you have to stop filming these things. Instagram is at Artie Shepherd. <laughs> Praise gave the wilderness a new name. It says, and on that day, the valley became known, the valley of 
blessing. Until then, three times in that passage, it's called the wilderness. The wilderness. The wilderness. The wilderness is terrible. The wilderness is lifeless. The wilderness is barren. The wilderness is dry and hard and tough and hot. And the wilderness is depressing. But on that day, as they started to praise God, the the place changed its name. And it's no longer the wilderness. It's now the valley of blessing. Do you believe for that? Would you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. In this next few moments, we got time. No, we actually do. I'm not making that up. I'm under instruction by your campus pastor. And online, this is for you as well. Because all of us are facing valleys of some kind. Dealing with some kind of valley. And I just, I'm just crazy enough to believe that in this next few moments, whatever your whatever valley you're going through, we're going to start to pray. Maybe you want to start to prophesy. Oh, I've never done that before. I don't know. Just declare the promises of God. Declare the goodness of God over your life. And we're going to start to praise. The team are going to lead us and we're going to start to praise. And we're just going to believe that some valleys are going to become places of refreshing and places of blessing today in Jesus' Name. So come on, right? you lift your hands to God. Father, right across this place, every person, whatever situation they're facing, whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're walking through right now, I thank You for a confidence and a hope and a boldness to remember You are bringing them through it. Oh, whether it's something in their family, with their children, in their physical health, in their emotional well-being, their mental well-being, in their business, their finance, their work situation, their accommodation, whatever it might be, the call of God on their life. God, we just bring those things before You and we start to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. We start to to declare the favour of God that lasts for generations. We start to declare the loving kindness and the mercy of God. We start to declare the salvation of God. We start to declare Your breakthrough in the Name of Jesus. Now come on, start to praise the Lord. Start to praise Jesus. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.